The following program is brought to you by Gallant Media Enterprises. Welcome. It's a wonderful Friday afternoon, and you are listening to Abundance, Abundance now, now with Maria M. Lopez. Maria is a certified public accountant, financial advisor, and public speaker. She specializes in advising her clients in their personal business and finances so that they can achieve the financial lifestyle of their dreams. Her mission is to empower others by providing them with the financial tools and education necessary for them to create their own finances. Here is your host, Maria M. Lopez. Good afternoon, South Florida. Welcome to Abundance Now with Maria M. Lopez. I invite you to my meetup by Maria Lopez Financial Abundance, taking place this Tuesday, August 22nd at TN Poets in Sunset Place at 7 p.m. Sunset Place is located right in South Miami, right on US-1. The topic we will discuss on August 22nd is insurance planning. My colleague from New York Life, Rosemary Guilfoyle, will join me in a conversation how to best protect the lives of your loved ones through the purchase of life insurance, whether it is a term life insurance or a whole life insurance. We will also be discussing annuities. Please note this meetup is an open space for you to ask questions and share your points of view. You can bring your family and friends. I welcome you to do that. TN Poets is a very beautiful coffee shop and it is a very comfortable space. Join us for coffee, tea, and a great conversation about insurance planning. You can register at meetup.com and the name of my meetup is by Maria Lopez Financial Abundance. I look forward to meeting each and every one of you there. We are in the middle of the summer 2017. It is in about a couple of weeks when the new school year will start again for our children and also for students attending colleges and universities. What that means basically we're into the eighth month of the calendar year. What does that mean for many of you who are business owners? And what does that mean for those of you who are employed by someone else in a business enterprise? As business owners, this is a perfect time for us to measure our actual financial results of our business to the forecast. Remember the forecast that we set up early in the year. Actually, it is always a perfect time to measure and compare financial results to your forecast into prior year's performance. As an employee in a business, you may be earning a salary or perhaps a commission as an independent contractor. You may also be working towards earning a bonus for this year or because of a special project or because of a new client you have brought to your employer. All of these activities above, such as commission, bonuses, and also revenue are earned from the sale of products or from the delivery of services. These financial results are driven because of the level of effort, expertise, and the strategy that you are implementing. Before we set the strategy and determine the level of effort required, we set the vision first. For example, what is the amount of revenue you would like to generate in your business this year, 2017? The question that we're going to explore today during the radio show, Abundance Now, is how do we stay accountable to that vision and financial goal that we set for ourselves? If we are working for someone else, a lot of the times that goal is set by our employers or supervisors. So we're going to be talking about accountability today and what are the best practices available so that we are accountable to that financial goal, sales goal, or any goal that we have set for ourselves 
or for others. In order for us to discuss this interesting topic of accountability, I have the pleasure of introducing to you my guest speaker, Derek Wright, CEO of 25 Point Systems. Derek Wright began his career in the financial services industry in 1997. He has worked at New York Life in the New Hampshire field office where he was instrumental in driving production growth of over 40% in 2002 and 2003. In 2008, Derek joined Mass Mutual Financial Group and managed sales teams in Denver and Kansas City. Today, Derek founded 25 Point Systems, a software company providing technology solutions to the financial services industry. In his personal life, Derek is a runner, a diehard Red Sox fan. He lives in Boca Raton right here in South Florida with his family. How are you, Derek? Welcome I'm, to Abundance Now with Maria Lopez. I'm wonderful. Thanks for having me today, Maria. Wonderful. I know it's raining, and I thank you for being here because I know you drove from Boca to Miami. Mm -hmm. Yes. So, Derek, sir, before we start having a conversation about today's topic, which is accountability, can you share with us what drove you to choose a career in the financial services industry? Sure. Um, I can remember like it was yesterday, it was some over 20 years ago now, but um, I was coming out of college and didn't really, like so many others, have a clue what I wanted to do. And I came across the financial services industry and became very intrigued because what I did know is that I didn't want to be uh, confined to the world of cubicles and somebody else telling me that... Um, you know, what I was worth and with no opportunity for advancement or upward potential with my income. And so the financial <laughs> services industry was a, was a really attractive option for me because um, outside of a lot of other entrepreneurial endeavors where you have to come up with a lot of capital and you need a lot of wherewithal to really get started, the financial services industry gave me that entrepreneurial opportunity, but at the mm -hmm. same time, there was really no capital outside, and uh, you know, very minimal capital I needed anyways. And that really intrigued me and uh, was what would attracted me to it to begin with. You're a driver from start from day one. You were like you were like ready to hit a run, right? You knew <laughs> you, you you it seems to me, it sounds to me like you really enjoyed it. The uh, the the fact that you had you, Derek, as an individual, have the opportunity to set your own goals, how far you wanna go. Very true. And I, I think the financial services industry was a perfect Allows you fit that, because right? of that. Absolutely. Beautiful. I know you lived and worked in the Northeast. Were you born in the Northeast? Have you always lived there? Or are you from South Florida originally? I am not from South Florida. I was actually, um, mm -hmm. strangely enough, born in San Bernardino, California, mm. uh, but lived there for a short period of time. But I'm from the Northeast for the most part. I've grown up there just outside of Boston and uh, spent most of my life there. Got it. Now, your experience in New York Life was in what area of financial solutions or products? Was it working with your clients in providing them with insurance coverage, or was it in the investment areas such as brokerage accounts and retirement plans? So my career began with more of a focus on the insurance side of the business. Mm -hmm. um, I found that my first couple of years were heavily focused on helping 
a lot of young families and a lot of small businesses get the protection that they needed to make sure that their their families and their businesses were protected in the event of a loss. Um, I found that that naturally progressed into other things, um, investments being one of them. And you know, as as times changed as well, my practice changed, and I found myself focusing on probably a broader, more array of products and services. But mm-hmm. I found that my practice also became more focused on being an advisor than being um, somebody that simply offered products. And I found that that approach um, had more traction. It was more helpful to my clients. Beautiful. Of course, you're more of a consultant and advisor to your clients, right? That's great. I think you have to be in this day and age. You have to be. We have to be able to ask questions and listen to the client's needs. I agree with you. Let's go back to how you built your career. You developed a sales skill that was successful in order for you to manage and lead a team of other financial representatives. Would you agree? I would. I, I think that everyone has their own natural strengths and you know, and we all have weaknesses as well. Mm-hmm. And I think self-awareness is a really important piece to that puzzle. And I think you have to really know what, what you're good at and what you're not so good at. I found that the things that I was able to develop, to your point about sales mm-hmm. skills, um, I found that the most valuable skills that I acquired or learned over time were were how to communicate effectively. And um, you know, the financial planning aspect of things just came with experience and study, and that was a little bit more controllable. But I felt the, the ability to communicate effectively with people, not only from a sales standpoint where mm-hmm. you're overcoming objections and things, but also to learn how to actively listen and to, you know, to clarify and make sure you're completely on the same page as the person that you're talking to as far as what they need. And so I, I think active listening is probably a good way to describe that. And it's the ability to to be able to, um, you know, make somebody else feel like they're understood and yes. make them confident in what you're recommending to them. Mm-hmm. Open communication. Is that something you always had with you, Derek, or something that as, an, as you were growing up and became an adult and a professional, you observed in the industry, in the world, that that's what, that, is that something that you learn by observation or someone taught you that? I'm just curious. Well, if you ask my parents, they'll tell me that. They'll tell you I never listened when I was growing up. So I, I definitely think that that was an acquired uh, professional skill that I developed from Got being it. in sales. Beautiful, beautiful. Can you share with us what activities you were doing so that to reach that level of success in sales? Can you tell us two or three different activities and perhaps also why you chose those activities? Well, I guess I'll speak to the to to the to the activities that helped me build my business. And for, for me, and I think in, in for most people that are in that particular profession, mm-hmm. uh, networking and prospecting and being mm. visible in your community is so critical. Um, I, I started in the business at 22, 23 years old, and I, I didn't have a, a natural market of people that were um, you know, in a position to invest millions of dollars or had, you know, the kinds of problems that I was seeking to solve. And so I had to, to, to really put myself out there, have a lot of conversations with a lot of people. And that comes from coming out of your comfort zone and going out and attending networking events, talking to the person behind you in the line at the grocery store and the person next to you at the bar or wherever you happen <laughs> to be. Um, I, I think just, you know, learning to, um, you know, always have your antenna up as far as prospecting and networking goes without being annoying about it as well. I love it. Sounds to me like you're a natural. 
Would you say that? No, <laughs> uh, I do. I would say it's more of an. I would say that that's more of an acquired uh, yes. skill from paying attention to it. I, I don't know as though I'm really a natural. I don't, I, I don't know, but uh, uh, that sounds very awesome. Uh, were you actively setting your own sales expectations from the very beginning, and how often did you measure your actual year-to-day results to those sales expectations? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think, to be frank, when I first got started in business, I didn't really have clearly defined goals. I think mm -hmm. that, that I, I started realizing the importance of that, you know, maybe after six months or a year, and I started getting a handle on what the activities that I was involved with would translate into in terms of results. And I think one of the most important things that was instrumental in my own career was was the people I surrounded myself with. And some of this was by accident. I happened to have two mm -hmm. really good managers that uh, kind of took me under their wing when they first when I first started in the business. And they taught me a lot about, you know, how to act, how to talk and how to, you know, be in the business world. And it was also, I think, really important. I had a lot of peers that were starting in the business with me that I had something in common with. They were the same age, same point in life, mm -hmm. and we would compete. And I think that the, the two of those factors, you know, helped me get really serious about what I wanted to accomplish. And I think part of that was was a little bit of a competitive spirit. Um, <laughs> I didn't want the, the guy that was sitting next to me, uh, you know, at the next desk to, to beat me out for that month. So, I love it. You know, I would always... Um, you know, try to put a little extra effort in to make sure that that didn't happen. <laughs> I remember when I was in high school, Derek, I was taking calculus in my senior year in Miami Senior High. And I remember the one of the brightest kids in the school and that, you know, was also taking calculus. And I remember that was probably the only time that I felt competitive when I was a child in high school. Uh, of course, that girl was always getting an A plus in every exam. And I told myself, and I wasn't trying for the A+. Plus. I was okay with the A. I'm like, I'm not competing with anyone in life. But I remember one day I said to myself, Derek, you know what? Next exam, I want to be the top A+, plus of that exam in that calculus course. And I did. And I think it's all about what you said is determination and focus and, and the strategy. And, and it's really like what is driving me in that moment. Now, I can also share with you, do you play tennis? I do. Oh, my God. Well, we have to play tennis one day. <laughs> when I play tennis, Derek, I don't play tennis to win the opponent, the other person. I enjoy just hitting the ball so nicely because it's a beautiful sport. Uh, but then I remember playing tennis like maybe a couple of years ago in a small tournament in my neighborhood. And I lost. <laughs> I remember when I realized that I was losing <laughs> I realized, wait a second, I'm losing. So I got to pick up and come back because obviously these other ladies were there to compete, to win. And I remember I lost at the end, but the woman said on the other side, hey, you are not giving up. So she noticed the difference that at, at first I was just having fun. And then I'm like, you know what? I want to win too. It's funny. So I, <laughs> she I brought that out of you. Yeah, yes. So I understand healthy competition, like you say. I think it's very healthy. It's very, when it's healthy, you know, it, 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 it's good. It's good. What tools did you use to keep track of the volume of your sales, for example? And what tools do you use to measure and compare your actuals to your forecast? And I'm talking like perhaps in the first 10, 15 years of your career when 
you know, I know we pro we had Excel at that time, obviously. I, I was also practicing at that time and all the measures and tools, but we did not have the advancements in technology tools that we have today. So what kind of like, how did you measure things? Yeah, did you add them up on an Excel spreadsheet or what did you do? Keep track of on a little piece of paper or did your employer have measuring tools to track your sales? Well, it was a little bit of both. I, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm dating myself as I'm thinking about my answer to your question um, <laughs> because Excel was revolutionary at the time. So it was 1997 when I started my career and um, I can remember we had a weekly accountability group of my peers. There were managers in the room, but it was mm -hmm. really a peer-run group, and that was a really, really helpful group, by the way. Uh, but we would track our numbers on, uh, you remember those old transparencies and the overhead projectors? Yes. That's what we would track our numbers on. That's where we would write them in. Got it. And we would put them up on the screen, and we would talk about our week. Okay. And so that was, that was what I remember about that. I mean, back then, it was pretty much all on paper. Mm -hmm. And there were certainly reports that came out from the company, and there was that that degree of uh, of management oversight or supervision that was that was part of that, and um, and that was good too. It kept you it kept you real, kept you honest. But over time, it you know it's evolved, and and tracking numbers and tracking um, progress towards any kind of a goal, right. I think has come a long way, and um, it's come a long way from its origins just 20 years ago, where you mm -hmm. know things were all very much you know on paper, and they were very you know, kind of old school. Totally, I agree with you. Now, have you always worked in the financial services industry or did you ever worked in any other industry? No, nope, I've spent my whole career in the financial services industry um, mm -hmm. until um, some of my newer endeavors that um, have come up in the past couple of years. But no, that's been my career. That's been your career, okay. Was there someone in your childhood, I think you mentioned your parents and um, and um, other uh, other uh, peers of you of yours um, in, uh, in, the, in the business environment, but was there ever someone in your childhood or a school teacher or a college professor that inspired you to maximize your sales skills or to be driven in terms of obtaining results? Did anyone say something like, um, Derek, have you noticed that you have this strength or potential within you? Was that, was that ever happened? Did someone make someone other than yourself make you aware of what you had, your talent? Yeah, it's a great question. It kind of makes you think. And I don't know. So I remember somebody saying to me, you know, you, you should be a salesperson. Mm -hmm. um, I, I never heard that growing up. I, I, I think I heard that as time went on as I, you know, as I you know, kind of got out of college and, and went different directions. But um, I can remember growing up, I mean, to, to, to your question about where you know, my influences may have come from, mm -hmm. my father's the one that sticks out to me because, he, you know, he had such an incredible work ethic. He was an entrepreneur himself. And you know, like most kids, we watch what our parents do and much more so than we listen to them. Um, <laughs> you know, we <laughs> yes. watch what they do. And I would watch my father get up at, you know, three or four o'clock in the morning, go to work, and then he would come home at six or seven whenever it was that the kids all got up. And he'd be there to cook breakfast for us every morning and so like the balancing of personal responsibilities and you know and wanting to be involved in you know in the family but mm -hmm. also taking his business really seriously to an almost an absurd standpoint where he was getting up at you know be long before the sun came up um, you know always kind of stuck with me and you know work ethic was definitely something that I learned out of that and you know we saw the fruits of the labor out of that is you know we, we were able to you know as a as a as a family we were able to go on ski trips and we were able mm -hmm. to go on things that you know, I can't say that all of my friends were able to do, but it wasn't because anybody got handed anything. It was because of, of work ethic. That was it. Work ethic. Yeah, your dad earned it. Absolutely. Awesome. That's beautiful. Derek, how did you stay motivated? 
Would you agree that motivation is necessary in order to achieve results? And what drives you? Yeah, that's a great question. And I, you know, I, I guess I would answer this in two parts. There's, mm-hmm. there's intrinsic motivation, okay. uh, to use the technical speak for it, mm-hmm. and there's extrinsic motivation. And I think that there's an element of both that feeds into almost anybody's train of thought about, you know, what inspires them to get up, put their shoes on in the morning and, and do whatever it is that they, that mm-hmm. they do. And, uh, you know, the intrinsic part of it is, you know, is there, is there this burning desire to, to succeed or be effective or influential and, you know, whatever that happens to, to mean in your world. And, and that's got to come from within. Um, I think that too often that exists in virtually all of us, but we don't, in a lot of cases, many people unfortunately don't uh, nurture that and they don't feed that. And I think one of the things that, that has worked for me for years, and it's, it's one of these routines, it's a morning routine that I have, is you know, the first hour of my day, there's no email, there's no, there's no interaction actually with anybody or, you know, mm-hmm. or, or certainly electronic communication, but I'll read, I'll listen to podcasts, which we were talking about, right. um, and I will do anything to feed my head with the, with the positive aspects of, of things that, that are going to program me and set me up to have a successful day. And so the, like, little things like that, I think, go a long way. And I think that they're so important because you can be motivated in the moment, but you mm-hmm. can very easily lose motivation <laughs> because we all fall off track. We have challenges, we have setbacks, we have things that take us off course. Right. And it's why kids, you know, when they're when they're really young, I have a three-year-old, and mm-hmm. my three-year-old is convinced he can do anything in the po- in the world that he could possibly imagine. Refuses to take no for an answer. It's because he doesn't have that experience yet, where he's dealt with rejection and setbacks mm. and all those sorts of things. And so I think a lot of that has to come from within, but we have to nurture that. I think the extrinsic part of that, on the other hand, which which. Um, you know, maybe we can get into, but the extrinsic mm-hmm. part of that is the environmental aspect of mm-hmm. of accountability, and it's the environment that you choose to put yourself into, and it's the environment that kind of shapes, you know, what um, what also will be a will be supportive or or maybe unsupportive um, in terms of you know how you approach every day and and whether you stay motivated. Got it. Beautiful. So a couple of thoughts uh, on that, Derek. I love how you uh, identify the intrinsic and the in- extrinsic. Uh, you use the word the burning desire. Uh, one of the my favorite books is has to be Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich. And you're very familiar with love it, I'm it. sure. Yeah. He has the whole chapter on that specific topic, the burning desire. I discovered my burning desire, just like you said, sometimes we don't, I, you, I agree with you. I think we all have it within us, uh, but we go through life and we, um, hopefully the idea, it will be great if we all get to find that, identify the burning desire within us. And once we tap on that burning desire, the rest is history. Is what gets you up in the morning and drives you. And especially when that burning desire, what I identify is that it's not to benefit me, Maria, as an individual, that usually I find that the burning desire is when you are to make a difference, like you said, in someone else's life. When that burning desire has to do about the impact, whether you want to make for your child, for your family, for your community, or for the entire world, if you want to take it bigger than that, is bigger than anything else. And there are no challenges or obstacles between you and that goal. 
I that's what I found in my own personal experience. Now, on the intrinsic part of it, the environment, I think clearly you said it too well because um, it's who do we hang around with, mm -hmm. right? Who are the people surrounding us? Who are we surrounding ourselves with uh, that are adding to that, um, to that, uh, putting that food in, uh, in our, to our brain set, into our mindset, right? And our, like you said, like you pointed out, some of the uh, the, the the salespeople in the organizations that you worked with, and some of the managers and the leaders and the partners uh, that mentor you and mentor your team as well. So who do we surround ourselves with is very important. Uh, so I love that. And also the other thing that I want to mention is what you said, rejection and, and setbacks. Usually your kids, you're right, they don't have that experience. You and I didn't have it when we were children. I know there's some organizations, for example, like Apple. I've never visited the Apple uh, headquarters, but I know that organizations like those, they, uh, they, the culture there is one where if you made, quote unquote, a mistake or created something that, eh, well, didn't work out, you don't get punished or penalized by it, or you don't get rated with a two on your evaluation because the environment is that it is okay, it is natural, it's normal, we all have those setbacks, right? That's great. Yeah, and That's so great. the idea is how do you create the next best thing at a company like Apple? It's to inspire the people, the engineers, the designers, the people inside the company Apple to constantly pick up themselves and say, okay, fine, so this, is, this one didn't work, but hey, guess what, out of this one, I have two or three ideas out of this failed experience that I know this one is gonna solve such a problem, whatever out there in technology and society. So just to highlight a couple of companies that are building that culture. Um, Derek, let's now talk about the present, the existence of the internet. We were talking about Apple and the advances in technology. Both software and hardware are driving significant changes in our society and more specifically in the way we do business today. Tell us about how you and your business partner decided to start 25 Point Systems. Why did you start this company? Yeah, um, I'll, I'll share with you a little bit about the background here mm -hmm. and the, the, the realities of some of what we were just talking about. And, you know, even in my own experience, um, you know, started to in recent years uh, manifest themselves in my mind in, in r relative to the, the age that we live in now where we are all operating most aspects of our lives from our smartphone these days. Mm -hmm. And um, we can do virtually anything from a, from a, from a handheld device. And um, one of the challenges I think that so many people have had for years and years, not just in the financial services industry, but in, in any industry and just in any aspect of life, is how do you program yourself to stay focused on the things that are going to get you where you want to get mm, to in life? Got it. Um, could be a business goal, but it might be that I want to get in better shape. Uh, Fitbit, um, for example, yes. has done a wonderful job in creating a revolution uh, behind how people um, develop this this supportive model of how they how they get healthier. And um, we're essentially doing the same thing with 25 point systems um, in a business context. So the concept of 25 point systems is, um, is the application of behaviors on a daily, a weekly, a quarterly, and an annual basis that are tied with, with bigger picture goals. And the fact that every activity that will feed a larger goal um, has a value that's associated with it. And some activities are gonna be mm -hmm. worth more than others. 
So our business, 25 Point Systems, is very heavily focused on the financial services industry. It's where I come from. It's how our company was founded. And the concept of 25 Point Systems is essentially create using gamified technology to um, allow people to become more focused on their goals. All of our technology runs on a mobile device or a tablet, mm -hmm. and um, it allows um, an individual or an organization to set goals mm -hmm. and to work backwards from that. So working backwards from that means figuring out all the tactical aspects of, they're like the ingredients in soup. Wow. They're, they're each piece to to that is you know is, is a critical piece, but we have to know what those are. And so our mobile application helps to break that down and figure out a manageable plan on how people can arrive at the goals that they're trying to get to. Beautiful, okay, very well. We are going to go now on a commercial break and we will return with our interview of Derek Wright CEO of 25 Point Systems. TFG Worldwide is your business financial solution center. They help your business with financial strategy, tax planning, controllership, and employee benefit services. The best part is that all of these solutions are specifically tailored to help grow your business and increase your profits. All of these under the umbrella of TFG are provided by accredited professionals that have gained experience working for the big four global accounting firms, ready to give your business 100%. Call them today at 800 790 9721. Give them a call, 800-793-9721. Remember, if it's not TFG, it's not meant to be. Call them now, 800-793-9721. I was asking Derek right now if he likes the song that I picked for my radio show. <laughs> I love this song from Rihanna. It's one of my favorite ones. All right, so we're back in abundance now with Maria M. Lopez. Our topic for today is accountability. Our guest speaker, Derek Wright, CEO of 25 Point Systems, is sharing his original strategies for achieving sales results in his career. And we're also going to discuss the technology that he and his business partner have designed and developed to assist those who are involved in sales to, so that they can stay accountable. Derek, you founded 25 Point Systems with your business partner. Where is this company physically located? And can you tell us, not to share a lot of you know the detailed information within the company, but just to have an idea, what is the size of the company in terms of people or staff, and when exactly did you found this company? Yeah, thanks for asking. We, um, we're headquartered in Boca Raton here in South Florida, mm -hmm. and we have um, um, our entire technology team in the Boston area. So we have four team members that have worked um, extremely hard in developing our technology platform, um, again, all in the Boston area. We also have a um, what a, what's the equivalent of a sales force. We called it our ambassador program, mm -hmm. and this has um, allowed us to expand internationally um, through local presence. And our ambassador program is essentially our sales and support network. Um, we have presence right now in the Philippines, Mexico, and are exploring several other opportunities in Southeast Asia as well. So um, we've grown fast over the past year and um, we're continuing actually to expand. We're actually going to be looking to hire uh, a couple more people in the coming quarter. Beautiful. Now, uh, you mentioned places that are outside of the United States. I'm sure you have hired one of the best CPA advisors firms 
to help you support you with that. <laughs> but if you ever want to chat about anything about the tax law, international tax law, feel free to give me a call. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> just a joke, Derek. Tell me, what does 25-point systems provide? You were talking about the platform, which is an application of behaviors. Is this, this, is this like a product or a service or a hybrid? And what solutions are you providing to your clients? How are you helping your clients increase their sales volume? Yeah, we're um, we've we've just launched our second product, and mm-hmm. um, both are our mobile software products. And the first the first product was called Vivo Mobile, and mm-hmm. um, recently we just launched Tier Twenty Five. Tier Twenty Five is essentially a a tailored product for the financial services industry that is built on the principles of my business partner John John Beyer, whose Twenty Five Point System mm-hmm. um, has been renowned um, internationally for the past twenty seven years. And the concept of that is um, is an integral part of our mobile application. So it's basically taking um, old school concepts that um, are tried and true, very proven, mm-hmm. and merging that in with cutting edge technology here in 2017. So we do offer um, a wide range of services on a consulting basis as well. Um, many of our software customers, we also work with um, very much tactically as well. Um, we visit them, we support them in person. Okay. Um, we basically support any of our customers at a business level um, in any way that we can. So uh, we do have um, plenty of customers that simply use our product that aren't engaging us on that capacity as well. But there's a hybrid of products and services that we offer all under the umbrella of helping individuals and organizations to become more accountable to what they're trying to accomplish. Beautiful. Is there an, you mentioned the application, is there an online component as well? Can I access this software solution through the normal web browser on my laptop? Great question. We are actually in the process right now of developing what we're going to call our management dashboard. Okay. And that is a series of analytics tools that use the data that's being captured through our mobile platform right now. Mm-hmm. And they're going to provide a, a range of resources for managers and um, corporate personnel to analyze and essentially do a much better job coaching because of uh, a better um, access to good data that's going to help them to um, help their producers, their sales reps, to become more effective at what they do. So we're currently in the process of developing that as well. (coughs) Till this point, our our platform has been entirely mobile-based. Wonderful. Okay. And Derek, how does the use of this platform that you and your team have developed is used by those in the industry? Meaning, can you share with us what this platform does, for example? Just give me one, like two examples. Like, for example, is it that I'm um, uh, a representative of XYZ Financial Services in this, in this Institution and I enter, uh, I target five visits a week? Or three mm-hmm. phone calls a day. Is it something like that that it does? It it is, and I, and I'll back up from that even further, mm-hmm. and I'll give okay. you an, I'll give you an example. Just uh, mm-hmm. on Tuesday of this week, we were meeting with a new customer of ours in Chicago, and they're a financial services organization, um, one of the fastest growing in Chicago. Uh, they have seventy financial advisors right now. Okay. They are taking their their newer advisors, uh, which are in their first three to four years, and uh, they're using our our 
tier 25 mobile application for their newer advisors. And so within that, uh, we have a hierarchy of visibility that's available to any office that uses our software. Mm -hmm. So at the highest level, there's a master administrator account, which essentially is for usually the district manager or the office manager, the person in charge of the office. They have viewing access to be able to see real-time activity data for all of their advisors throughout the organization. Underneath that, the second tier from that are second line managers, as I'll refer to them. And those are typically sales managers. And in this case, the example I'm referring to in Chicago, um, these, four, these four managers each have their own individual teams that they manage. Mm-hmm. So within that, there are four subsets of that, and it creates three layers of visibility um, in terms of activity tracking. The tracking itself is all based on fundamental controllable activities that Mm. sales reps in particular need to be paying attention to. We're talking about phone calls, new prospects, um, client contacts, fact-finding appointments, which is that that first consultation they have with a client, right down to when they submit business. So all those things are tracked right from the device, and managers are now given unprecedented visibility in real time. It allows them to frankly coach in a way that that they have not been able to until this point. That's wonderful, that's wonderful. And so today, Derek, we're discussing accountability. Let me, let's, let's just discuss that a little bit further. Why do we think accountability is important? What it, What is it that the accountability, the whole process of accountability does for you and for me and for any Salesforce team? Why, what is it adding? What, why do we think it's necessary? Well, let's, let's think about the industry that we're referring to here first, but then mm-hmm. let's broaden that and let's just talk about anything that might constitute a goal that any individual has. Mm-hmm. And why do some people achieve their goals and things that they set out to do consistently and why unfortunately the great majority of people never do think about the concept of a new year's resolution it's almost a Mm punchline beginning of the year everybody (laughs) sets out january 1st after the holiday hangover and says i'm going to quit drinking i'm going to join the gym i'm going to stop eating i i mean i'm going to do all these things and um, gym memberships are a classic example of this. Um, you know, gyms probably, I'm guessing, must rely on a huge part of their revenue in the early part of January because half the people that join the gym in January, are they, they, they go for three weeks and this is what happens. They join a gym and they go for a couple of days and then something comes up and they have a, the distraction, they can't make it in. They say, okay, that's no problem, I'll go tomorrow. And then tomorrow rolls around and something comes up, you know, one of the kids is sick and you can't make it again. And next thing you know, it just, it, it just spirals and it's because of a lack of commitment. Mm-hmm. Accountability has this connotation where it's about rules and structure that somebody else is giving you. But accountability, true accountability, Accountability is about whether you're really committed to something. And mm. that's really what it's all about is accountability is a personal thing. If you're not committed to whatever it is that you wanted to accomplish, mm-hmm. um, you're not going to stay accountable. It's you're, you're going to become, uh, you're going to fall victim to the excuses that are so easy to make. It's, it's too easy to come up with all the reasons why you can't do something when there's not a purpose behind it that's powerful enough to drive you to do that. Mm. And so this whole concept of accountability and why it's important is 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 subject to what somebody wants out of their life and that's a really big picture way of looking at it Got but it. accountability is only going to be relevant and it's only going to be something that's practiced when somebody wants something bad enough 
If gotcha. you want something bad enough, you yourself are going to hold yourself accountable to it. Other people can help you with that. Mm-hmm. And there's certainly elements of our products and services that are my company that are designed to help with that. Right. But it's got to start right here. It's got to start internally. Gotcha. So that leads me to my next question, Derek. I was going to ask you, can I individually hold myself accountable? Is that possible? And what kind of discipline, I'm imagining it requires discipline, would I need to hold myself accountable without the communication and feedback from someone else, someone other than Maria? So you're saying that it is possible for me as an individual to hold myself accountable uh, but but I'm thinking out loud, I would have to create a system, right, that I myself measure. And that's another key word, measurement. The accountability mm. has to be measured, right? Absolutely. So you believe that we, each individual, can, be, hold, can hold ourselves accountable? I not only believe you can, mm-hmm. I believe you must if you oh. want to, if you want to further your life and grow. Mm-hmm. And um, whatever aspect of your life that happens to be. But to the question about, about, how you do that, mm-hmm. I think the problem that so many people have is that there's an outcome that they want, but they haven't figured out and, and, and went backwards to figure out all the moving parts that are going to help them to get there. Got it. And that's what's missing in so many people's lives is they say to themselves, I want to lose weight, for instance. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's a classic example of that. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody says, I want to lose weight. But the question is, how? Um, maybe my goal is if I'm in sales, I want to I want to earn $150,000 of commissions this year, whatever the number might be. Uh, but it's it's really nice to say that, and yes, it's it's great to have aspirations and things you want to accomplish. But mm-hmm. what most people miss is they don't work backwards from that. The $150,000 of commissions. If you worked backwards from that, if you follow along in this. If I worked backwards from that and I said to myself, all right, what do I have to do to earn $150,000 of commissions? Well, the first thing you have to ask yourself is, well, what do I earn per new customer that I get? Let's suppose that number is Mm -hmm. $1,500. I'll use that number just because the numbers will be round. That's going to tell me I need to get 100 100 new customers in the course of a year. Right. Next thing I need to ask myself is, how many people do I need to ask to buy in order to get 100 to say yes. Gotcha. So if I work backwards from that, I'm going to get all the way back to how many new conversations that I need to have. And so the further you get from the end goal, mm-hmm. the more controllable it becomes. The closer you are to the goal, the less controllable it is. So we can't control, and this is where a lot of people fall off track, mm-hmm. is use the weight loss example again here. Somebody says to themselves, I want to lose weight, but they get frustrated because they're not seeing results. So what do they do? They just throw the towel in and they just say, mm-hmm. forget about it. Gotcha. What they need to do instead is they need to work backwards from that and figure out the daily things that need to be done. Beautiful. And it literally is daily. And that's what our software also provides is the means to, to keep a pulse on the daily activities that are going to get you there. Because if you can control something, that's something you need to commit to. Mm-hmm. You can't commit to something that's out of your control. If I went and I asked five people to buy something today, I can't control whether any of them say yes. Now, I can I can influence that by becoming more and more effective and how right. I and, and persuasive and to do a better job through the process. But I still can't control whether somebody says yes or not. The only thing I can control are the activities that are that are, like I said, within my control. And I can control how many times I start a conversation with somebody. I can control the questions I ask. I, I love can it. control only so much. But that's what's missing, I think, in so many cases. And that's why accountability is so important is because it does have everything to do with with how I 
get there and not so much what the result is that I want. Mm-hmm. Beautiful, Derek. You know, as you were describing that, I thought of the three key questions that I'm sure you're very familiar with. Uh, and before the break, I think what we discussed was the why. We talked about the burning desire. So why do we do the things we do? Right now, you're telling me after the why comes the how, the substance, the methods, the habits, the daily activities that translate into the what. Those are the daily activities. So very, very insightful, very helpful, I think, for our listeners to get that. It's the why, the how, and the what, figuring all that out. And so my next question is, if I'm not able to hold myself accountable because perhaps I don't know how I get from that um, um, $100,000 bonus at year end to where I'm at today in the present, would you agree, would you recommend that I talk to a friend, to you, to my coach, to a family member? Does it help clearly to have another person hold us accountable? or even help us design the how and the what. Yeah, that's that's and that speaks to one part of what I brought up earlier when mm-hmm. I talked about intrinsic motivation versus extrinsic. And yes. the environmental factors are big. Um, I think they're they're more important for some than for others and I think part of that is just, you know, how we're wired personality-wise. Uh, but we all need support in some form or another. Um, I'm a big believer that there's there's two levels of support that'll help anybody um, more predictably gain the outcomes that they want. And, and one is peer-to-peer support. And mm-hmm. um, I talked earlier about those accountability groups that yes. I was in back when I first started my career, hugely instrumental in my own career. And I, I know many others that would say the same thing. Um, you know, today, we live in this era where, um, again, I'm using the financial services industry as an example, but I think, generally speaking, I think many industries are very detached. People are working mobile. People are working from home. Right. They're working in different locations. My own company, where, you know, we have, you know, two locations in Boston and Boca Raton. And mm-hmm. it's 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 harder sometimes to, 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 to stay focused on things when you're not around other people that you're working with directly. True. And so I think part of, part of that extrinsic motivational factor is, is you have to have a peer-to-peer support network in some form or another. That could be formal or it could be informal. Um, but I think that, that having that, um, you know, that, that spirit of some healthy competition, mm-hmm. um, you know, having somebody that I can talk to when I'm dealing with a tough situation, um, all that stuff plays into, into the equation, I think, very well. The other part of that, too, is that everyone needs a coach. And mm. um, I have a coach myself. We all need the, the support of somebody that can help us and ask good questions to help us get out of the normal train of thought that we have mm-hmm. and to kind of take a step out of our business and look inward into the business and say to ourselves, all right, what's actually happening in there? Right. And asking ourselves the tough questions to get you know, some outsider insight into why things are working or why things may not be working, where the challenges are. So I think those two levels, um, both the the peer-to-peer support as well as the true traditional coaching style, I think are both really critical to varying degrees depending on the person. Beautiful, Derek. And I'm I'm glad you pointed, you raised that point of coaching because uh, nowadays there's a lot of increase in coaching in the coaching industry, right, in the United Mm. States and I'm sure in other parts of the world. Uh, there are a lot of organizations and individuals that specialize in business coaching. And sometimes, I say sometimes, the business coaching includes an accountability aspect, not all of the times. So when we look for a coach, a business coach, or a personal coach, or a life coach, I believe that one of the questions we have to ask that person, the business coach, during the interview process before we hire them is, 
do you include an accountability aspect? Because I've worked with coaches before that they provide the great insight, the vision, they help me design some of that. I, I set my own vision. Uh, they ask me questions, which are very questions that if they wouldn't ask me, I probably wouldn't be considering. But the accountability aspect of it is very critical. Mm. Would you agree? I would. Okay. I would. Yeah, beautiful. Would my firm or employer is the one that licenses your software, Derek, or is this an individual purchase decision? If I am an insurance agent, do I, I am, am I the one that purchased the monthly subscription to use your platform? That's a great question, um, and I, I get that question a lot. The answer is both. We have mm-hmm. um, we have many people that individually on their own are using our product to help mm-hmm. themselves become more accountability more accountable in their practice. Um, the majority of our customers, if I looked at our actual our actual business, um, are business customers. They're either branch offices or the companies themselves okay. that are using it as a tool to instill accountability and create more seamless visibility into how to do a better job coaching as an organization. So Beautiful. it's available for both. For both, right. Mm-hmm. We're going to go now on a short commercial break and then we will return to continue with our interview of Derek Wright on solutions that are available to hold us accountable in our business and to drive sales. Maria M. Lopez is a Florida certified public accountant, public speaker in the areas of personal financial planning and holds a Florida insurance license. Maria is transforming the way South Florida thinks about their finances through her radio show, Abundance Now. Maria Lopez coaches on the areas of personal development and simplifies the complex U.S. financial system, providing the financial education, tools, and techniques for others to create the financial lifestyle of their dreams. Maria's passion is to create a wave of personal financial planning education that lends to a legacy of financial abundance to your children and grandchildren. Contact Maria at 305-697-9730, 305-697-9730 to explore opportunities and invite her to speaking engagements for your organization. Visit Maria's website at buymarialopez.com. We are back in abundance now with Maria M. Lopez, and today I'm interviewing Derek Wright, CEO of 25 Point Systems, who is sharing with us a platform he and his team have designed to hold us accountable in our business, such as in achieving a certain volume of sales. Derek, the world has gotten flatter. Both you and I are now able to find clients, business partners, and vendors that are located in almost any part of the world. We are communicating with them via email, text messages, via WhatsApp, through online video conferencing, and of course, via telephone. What is your vision for taking your platform or accountability solution to countries outside of the United States, if you can share that with us? Yeah, it's an interesting question because we, we did not anticipate that uh, the, the international aspect of our business was going to take off so quickly. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, a, it's, it's been a an interesting phenomenon. We've um, our our current customer base right now is about seventy percent outside the United States. So to answer your question, we're already there, and we're continuing to expand that right now. Um, one of the things that we've really noticed is that uh, again in financial services, but I think you're going to find some similarities in most industries. Uh, there's a there's a there's a spirit of entrepreneurship that mm-hmm. uh, is really ripe all over the world, all over Latin America, all over Southeast Asia, 
And a lot of that spirit of entrepreneurship um, is, is driving a lot of the opportunity. When I talk to a customer of ours in Mexico or the Philippines or Singapore, and they're starting a career and versus the United States, which is a more mature market, right. um, what I hear is I hear somebody that is so grateful for the opportunity to be able to do their own thing, control their destiny, mm. have the opportunity for all that unlimited income, all the things that I talked about that I felt when I first started in the business. Right. But I hear that more than I hear that in the United States. And um, that has opened up, I think, a great opportunity mm. for us to continue that expansion overseas. Um, but you're very right. I mean, the world is very flat today. And right. we're in, an, we're in an era now where, you know, we operate without borders. Um, we have um, all of our all of our materials are and um, our website, everything, our mobile application is all available in Spanish. Um, we have, you know, a, a very, um, you know, diverse group of mm -hmm. customers. And I think that's only going to continue to expand. I think that's beautiful, Derek, what you just said right there, because it sounds to me like you are taking a solution, in this case, 25-point systems, and I'm sure many other U.S. companies are also doing the same thing, where you're bringing something so valuable to other regions of the world, and they're so appreciative of having a solution like that, and you're inspiring them to become entrepreneurs and to make a difference, to own their own businesses, to hire people, to provide employment. And at, and at $10 a month per user, which is our price point, okay. there is a it's, it's a very easy decision for somebody to make when you see the, the mm -hmm. tangible effect that that can have on your ability to build a business. Beautiful. And, um, and, you know, we've heard that a lot from all of our customers is the price point is fantastic because it doesn't require a lot of energy and effort to think about whether it's the right thing. Um, it's a, it's a, I think a win. Got it. By the way, I want to mention to my listeners that I, during their commercial break, I was telling Derek that I am want to test his uh, application. And uh, if anybody has any questions, please feel free to reach out to me because I'm going to use it, Derek. I love what you have created. Yes, you set up. <laughs> Derek, I love what you have created with your business partner and your team. Congratulations to you. Congratulations as well for having a successful career in the financial services industry. I am very happy that we were able to connect and bring you to Abundance Now with Maria and Lopez to share your views on accountability and share your expertise and platform and the business you found the 25 point systems. Is there any last message, any last words that you would like to share with our listeners? I think just as a final point on some of what we talked about, I think the you know the advice for because um, let's face it, accountability is a is a thing that we all struggle with, no matter how disciplined we are. We all struggle with with staying consistent with that. And mm -hmm. some of the some of the ways that have worked for both myself and that I've seen other people employ that have really been effective are, you know, you have to find an accountability partner. Number one, and, right? Uh, and that could be a coach, that could be peers, um, but you have to like broadcast your goals. When you keep your goals to yourself, subconsciously mm. it's okay if you don't hit them. Gotcha. When you broadcast them, when you tell the world, post it on Facebook, put, put it somewhere publicly, talk to people about what it is that you're going to do because it'll be much harder for you to, to not follow through on something, especially if it's controllable. So I think broadcasting your goals is a big part of, of why people sometimes will hit them and sometimes will, will just sort of fall off the wagon on that. Um, the last thing I guess I'd say is um, we tend to think about accountability in the context of, of you know, it's almost a negative word. And um, we need to change that. We need to mm -hmm. think about accountability as it's our path to greatness. It's our path to accomplishing big things and anything we make, frankly want. I use that example again with, with my three-year-old. He doesn't know the meaning of the word can't. 
Gotcha. And I hope he always does. I hope he, hope he always maintains that. <laughs> we can also all take a page from that. When we, when we have this attitude of, of, of optimism about the future and the fact that we can accomplish anything that we want to, um, we, we don't let these little challenges along the way get in our way. And I think we all need to employ more of that. Love it, Derek. Thank you, Derek. Thank you for sharing your time and expertise with us today. I invite our listeners to the replay of this interview tomorrow, Saturday at 6.30 p.m. I look forward to next Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern time for another interesting interview in business consulting and other areas of personal financial planning. I wish you all a wonderful evening and a great weekend. Thank you all. Maria N. Lopez is a Florida certified public accountant, public speaker in the areas of personal financial planning and holds a Florida insurance license. Maria is transforming the way South Florida thinks about their finances through her radio show, Abundance Now. Maria Lopez coaches on the areas of personal development and simplifies the complex U.S. financial system, providing the financial education, tools, and techniques for others to create the financial lifestyle of their dreams. Maria's passion is to create a wave of personal financial planning education that lends to a legacy of financial abundance to your children and grandchildren. Contact Maria at 305-697-9730, 305-697-9730 to explore opportunities and invite her to speaking engagements for your organization. Visit Maria's website at buymarialopez.com. <laughs>